If you'll join me in your Bible in the book of Mark again, Mark chapter number 10, and we'll try to find a text there for this morning. You know, I just sitting there a little while ago looking at all of you, and I realize what a scary thing is to get up here, all of you looking at me. It's a very frightening thing to preach the gospel. For me, I'm just as afraid today as I was 46 or 47 years ago when I got up and preached the very first sermon I ever preached. He that sinneth is of the devil, for he was a liar. And murderer from the beginning. I shall never forget. I took several days. To put that sermon together. On several pages. And in about two and a half minutes. I was done. (laughs) You said oh. But if the preacher was like that again. (laughs) And believe it or not. When I finished. Somebody walked forward and got saved. And it's a very, very frightening and a very grave responsibility to open the book and to preach his word. I want to read for you today a continuation of last week's text, if that would be all right. I want to read for you from verse 23. The Bible says... And Jesus looked round about and saith to his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and saith unto them, Children, How hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? The Lord is not saying at all that a rich man cannot go to heaven. He is saying that a rich man cannot go to heaven trusting in his riches. God wants us to have things or he would not have given Things. I never pray for a Chevrolet when the same God that owns General Motors owns Cadillacs. Please, if I bend over and you can comb your hair in the seat of my britches because it has been ironed so many times, it don't mean that I have more power with God. It just means I haven't bought a suit lately. (laughs) Please get out of your mind that God does not want his people to enjoy the abundance of what he's created. And he's saying to his disciples, fellas, it is not riches that keep keep people out of heaven. It's trusting and loving And given devotion to those things that God is the source of giving to begin with. Amen. Amen. Now, if I'm going to have payments, I'd kind of like to enjoy some comfort with the payments. Some folks ask me, preacher, how what is the gas mileage on your vehicle? I said, if you've got to ask that, you can't afford my vehicle to start with. <laughs> Please, it is not riches. It is trusting in those riches. Verse 25 now. <clears throat> it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. 
You say, preacher, explain that verse to me. Are you ready? A needle (laughs) with an eye. Camel going through. You say, preacher, isn't there a more historical meaning? Like two gates in every gate. And at night, all the gates are closed. And the large gate is closed. But there's a little gate where people pass through at night. And that is called the eye of the needle. I don't know if that's true or not. It just sounded good. (laughs) You get a hold of that now. Verse 26, and they were astounded out of measure. In other words, he just blew their minds. He just absolutely destroyed all the knowledge and all the understanding that the disciples had concerning going to heaven. And they were astounded above measure. Have you ever seen your wife astounded above measure? (laughs) The guys ain't saying one word, but that's the most silent this Baptist church has been in a while. (laughs) Young folk, have you ever seen your daddy astounded beyond measure? It is right before he cussed. He didn't cuss, but you thought he was going to. Astounded beyond measure. Notice now, if you would please, the astonished disciples said, Who then can be saved? Why is it you go to church for years and years and years and you never hear the word saved? Why is it you watch Christian television and you never hear the word saved? You certainly never hear the word lost because lost is the opposite of saved. Theologically, I can explain that to you, but I don't think I need to explain it theologically. If you've got the brain of a rock, you would rather be saved than lost. Are you listening now? Hey, you'd rather be saved than lost. If I never explain theologically what that means, I would be this, rather be safe in my home watching the Rangers if they win as to be in the woods someplace with no idea of how to get back home and lost. I, I'd just rather be saved as lost. Is there anybody here who'd rather be saved as lost? You say, preacher, you get to heaven your way, I'll get there with mine. I don't have a way. In fact, if you're starting today to get to heaven on your own, which direction would you proceed in? And what vehicle would you get in to get you there? And how much food would you take to eat in the long, long trip to get there? Who then can be saved? Now, all of you folks that's working your way to heaven, doing, 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 keeping a bunch of rules so that Jesus will love you more, running your rosaries, confessing your sins, baptized many times. The tadpoles are familiar with your social security number. All of you folk, now listen real good. Are you ready? Who then can be saved? Jesus looking upon them. With men it is impossible. Now listen to me. There is nothing you can do. Nothing you can say. Not enough money you can steal. Not enough 
sermons you can preach and not enough attending Sunday school, you just cannot get saved by yourself. It is utterly impossible. Well, preacher, I'm a good man. Do you know that hell's full of good men? Preacher, I do my best. You know that hell's full of folk who did their best. With men, it is impossible. Why don't men get that? There's just no way. Under God, you can go to heaven on your own. If you could, God made the biggest mistake of all history when he put his own son on the cross to die in our place. With men, this is impossible. There once was a farmer in Tennessee one winter evening as he and his wife sat in the, home, in the house. Unexpectedly, it began to snow very early. He heard something pounding on his kitchen window. Just pounding and hitting it. And it alerted him. And he got up and went to the kitchen. He saw there a little bird hitting that window and flying back and flying into the window. He looked through the window and out in the yard there was a a flock of birds, just like the one that was trying to get in the window. Unexpectedly, it had snowed. These birds that was going south kind of got caught in the snowstorm and they had no place to go. So the farmer, being a Tennessee guy like myself, felt compassion for the little bird. And he saw the flock of birds out there and he said, sure as the world, they'll freeze tonight if somebody doesn't do something. Oh, by the way, this story is for the kids, not for you folk. (laughs) So he went into the yard. And he looked at the birds and he thought to himself, you know, I've got a barn right over there. All I have to do is open the door. Now, there's plenty of straw and plenty of seed on the floor. And all I have to do is open that door. And those those birds I know, cold, damp, and dying, start with wolf. Just rushed right in. He went out there and he opened the door of the, of the barn. And you know those birds would not go in that barn. He said maybe if I turn a light on they'll see that there's safety and warmth. He turned the light on. And you know not one bird went to safety. He said, you know, if I take some corn or some grain and I sprinkle it on the ground and I sprinkle it toward the door, maybe they'll they'll follow the trail and enter into the barn and they'll be safe and they'll not die. To his utter amazement, they ate the grain but did not go in the barn. He said, well, maybe I can shoo them in. Maybe I can slip around behind the flock. And kind of gently shoo him in the door to safety. He ran around behind them and tried his best to shoo that flock of little starving, dying, cold and wet birds into the barn. And this was a real flock. Didn't work at all. Finally, the thought hit him. He said, I guess if I could become a bird, I could tell them it would be safe in the barn. But of course he could not become a bird. And this is a modern parable of what God's done for us. He sent the prophets in the Old Testament And he sprinkled the seed of the word all along for sinners to find the law to guide them to Christ. And they didn't listen to the prophets. He sent the apostles to sprinkle the words and talk about the love of God. And finally God said, maybe if I become 
one of them. And go down there and express my love to them. Maybe. Just maybe. They'll be saved. For God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. I say to you today he's tried every way in the world to shoo us in. He's loved us with an everlasting, unchanging love. He has sent prophet after prophet, preacher after preacher, soul winner after soul winner, to tell us of his amazing love for us. He saw that shooing would not work, so he came to lead us. And the disciples said, well, who can be saved? Notice, if you would please, in those two verses. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then could be saved? Jesus, looking looking upon them, saith, with men it is impossible, but with God For with God all things are possible. For just a minute, I would like to talk to you a minute about who then can be saved. Say, preacher, why don't you preach deep theological things like superlapsarianism or maybe predestination or transformation or consummation or some other Asian. We ought to hear more than just being saved. There's not any more than being saved. I mean, that's the greatest thing in the world for people to be saved. I was reading yesterday about a church had not had anybody saved. A Baptist church had not anybody saved in several years, years, years. The baptistry was dry and dust was in the bottom of the baptistry. I, I just think maybe God sent us here to explain to people how and who can be saved. Amen. Notice, if you would please, the first thing, the subject, which is stressed. Notice the subject that is stressed. They said, who then can be saved? You know, saved is a good word. Saved is a real good word. Saved kind of indicates to me that there's somebody that needs to be saved. I talk to folks and nobody needs to be saved. The hardest thing to me in this world is to get people lost. If you can get people lost, they'll get saved. But folks in America, you got air conditioning houses, you got air conditioned cars, you've got automatic this and automatic that, and you've got remote control, you've got all of heaven anybody ever wants right here. It's difficult to get people lost. Fella asked a guy, he says, well, I, I, I wonder, it may be, are you a Christian? He said, no, they live a mile down the road. The guy asked him, said, well, are you lost? He said, no, I've lived here for 35 years. <laughs> no, no, no. Are you ready for judgment day? Well, I don't know. When is it? And the preacher said, how do I know? I don't know when it is. He said, when you find out, tell my wife. She'll probably want to go. (laughs) Are you saved? It's just a matter of saved. Who then can be saved? Notice that uh, the subject, there is a condition that is plain about all men. 
The Bible said there is none righteous, no, not one. If that's your wife sitting beside you, look at her and say, you are not righteous, then duck. (laughs) There is none righteous. No, not one. No, not one. God says we're all rotten, if you please. Isaiah said we're rotten from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. There's no soundness to be found in us. The Bible said our lips and mouth is an open sepulcher. Our tongue is as an asp. He explains us as being sinners. I wonder, does anybody know a sinner? Said, yeah, I've got a teenager. Guess where the teenager got to be a sinner? Guess who they've been watching? Guess who they've been acting like? Guess who they've been talking like? Hey, them kids don't know how much fun it is to sin until you tell them how much fun it is to sin. And the Bible said there's none righteous, no not one, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Next time you look in the mirror, just look and say, you are short of what God would have you to be. Come short of what God would have you to be. I just believe the Bible is clear when it says the condition is plain. With men, it is impossible. Why? Because they're not righteous. Because they've all sinned. With men, they are separated from God. Did you know that separation, the death, the definition of death is separation? That's what it is. He said, well, no, I think death means you're done. You are. But death means separation. When your spirit and your soul leaves your body separated, your spirit and your soul go someplace, never cease to be, never cease to exist. Once you were born, You never, 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 never cease to exist. There will be existence someplace forever. Your body is not you. Your body is just a vehicle. You have been lent of God. And some of you are taking it at the wrong places and feeding it the wrong things. And one of these days your body is just going to give out. And your body and your soul and your spirit is going to leave it. And they'll put you in a casket in front of a church or a funeral home. And they'll try their best to make you look good. I've even seen corpses smiling. Hadn't been in church all their life. And in hell. They're screaming and trying and begging for mercy. But we put a smile on her face down here and say, don't they look good? No, they look dead. D-E-A-D, dead. Separated from who they really are. Somebody said, I don't like this kind of preaching. Well, me neither. Now, your soul and your body is going to go somewhere when it leaves this vehicle. And it's going to stay there until the resurrection. Those sharks has has eat all those Christians. They're going to get awful sick at the rapture. Because whoever they ate is going to get up again. They ain't going to show you that on shark week. Come on now. Can you imagine this dear sister loved her husband so much she wanted to be with him all the time 
and she has him cremated and put in a little jar in her purse. And she's walking through Macy's lingerie department when the rapture takes place. Boy, I hurt my arm. I ain't going to do that no more. You see, we're out of the realm of what we can do. Once this thing is separated, it, it's all up to somebody else. Amen. And where your soul goes and where your spirit goes is not up to you now after you're dead. It's up to somebody else. And then there is a judgment called the great white throne judgment. You can find it in the book of the Revelation, chapter 20 and verse 11. And it said, and I saw a great white throne. And he who sat upon it, from whose face the heavens and the earth fled away. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand. Before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened. Which is the book of life. And they were judged. Out of those things that were written in the book. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and hell deliver up the dead that were in it. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Separated from God. Separated from God means you are spiritually dead. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God in Genesis chapter number 3, I read it just this morning, and the Bible said God drove Adam out of the garden. Did not ask him to leave. Did not ask Adam's opinion about the situation. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, God said, you will surely die. And in Genesis 3, he drove them out of the garden. And separated himself from mankind because of sin. Sin separates us from God. The subject matter is being saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin. Saved from being separated from God. Saved from being cast into the lake of fire. Saved. 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 That's what we're talking about. Are you saved? You say, well, preacher, we, we don't need saved messages on Sunday morning. You ain't been talking to folk I've been talking to. The way some folk are living, they need to be saved. You said they come once. Didn't work. For a week, I tried to win a fellow to the Lord that was declared by the United States government as being totally blind. He's the only blind man ever beat me shooting pool in my life. I was in a revival meeting and every day I'd go to this man's house and talk to him about the Lord. Shoot pool with him and leave absolutely embarrassed because he beat me. Until I realized those solid balls, he can't see good enough to know the difference in the eight ball and all the other solid balls. Preacher, would you cheat a blind man? Yes. 
And I began to shoot for the solid balls and hope that the next time he shoot, he had hit the eight ball. And I tried all week long to persuade him to be saved. And about Thursday, he bowed his head and invited the Lord into his life. He raised his head up and the first thing he said to me, is it wrong for a Christian to drink? I said, let's do this again because that first one didn't work. He said, oh yes it did. He said, I just got back to the store with a case of beer. Let's pour it down the drink. Saved. Saved. The subject is stressed. Saved. Are you saved? Well, preacher, I just don't know much about it. Then you're not saved. Preacher, I'm not a Baptist. That don't mean you're not saved. It might mean you're not saved if you're a Baptist. Because I know a lot of Baptists that ain't living like they're saved. Saved. Subject matter. Is everybody clear about what we're talking about? Are we clear about what we're talking about? Saved. Saved because of sin. Saved. Because we're born separated from God. Saved takes care of sin. Saved puts us back in the right relationship with God. Saved from hell. Saved for heaven. Saved forever. I give unto them eternal life. How long is eternal life? And they shall never perish. How long is never and my Father which gave me is greater all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Did you know that today I am in the hand of Jesus? And me and Jesus is the hand of the Father. And I'll guarantee that is saved. Somebody said, you are a cocky little fella. You ought to have seen me 40 years ago. The question is, the matter that is stressed, the subject, is: are you saved? Who then can be saved? Preacher, I've done things. You, you don't understand what I've done. Notice secondly now in this verse, the sinners who are sought. Since Andrew got out of college and begin to have homiletical sermons. I've tried to do that. Notice if you would please. Sinners. The subject that is stressed. Notice now. The sinners which are sought. Subject. Sinners. Stressed. Sought. Isn't that homiletical or what? Well. I thought I read one time that. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Could I ask you this morning, where did he find you to save you? He was walking through the dark streets of Jerusalem one evening. And he found a religious fellow by the name of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus said, I know that thou art sent from God, for no man can do the miracles that thou doest. And Jesus looked at this religious guy and says, Marvel not, I say unto thee, ye must be born again. He found Nicodemus, if you please, sneaking through the back streets of Jerusalem, ashamed because around the border of his garment was scripture, around the border of his sleeves was scripture. A key swung from his waist indicating that I'm a Pharisee and this key indicates that I have the key to heaven. And here this old boy was, religious, going to service every week, lost and needed to be born again. He found Zacchaeus up a sycamore tree. 
Did he not? Yes, he did. He found the woman of the world, the working lady of the town, out by the well of Jacob, if you please. And he told her, he said, lady... If you drink of the water that I give thee out of thy belly shall spring rivers of living waters unto eternal life. And she said, give me a drink. Where did he find you? I don't know. You say, well, I was looking. No, 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 no. You wasn't looking for him. He came looking for you. Oh, yes, he's still looking today. He found Nicodemus, if you please, and he found Zacchaeus, and and he found Peter and John fishing, casting in their nets, and said to those guys, follow me, and I will make you. I will make you. You say, well, fishers of men. No, no, no. What if they had been teachers? He might have said, I'll make you educators of men. What if they had been contractors? He would have said, I will make you builders of men. Jesus is saying to you, I'll make something out of you. I'll make something eternal out of you. I'll make something lasting out of you. Follow me and I'll make a good parent out of you. Oh, he found Peter and Andrew fishing. He found Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. Yes, he did. He found him on the road to Damascus. He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And with the hand of omnipotence, he slapped old Saul off his steed. Saul hit the ground and stood up and said, Lord, what would you have me do? Is there anybody here today? Ready to get really saved. Eternally saved, wonderfully saved, gloriously saved, happily saved, shouting kind of saved. Somebody said, boy, you better not shout around here. It'll break all the windows and ice in the whole place. The sinners who are sought. You know, I believe Jesus can save those whom sin Has dissatisfied. Isn't it amazing. Why a baseball player. Making over a hundred million dollars. Is dissatisfied. Isn't it amazing. When these guys who are making money beyond our imagination. Get drunk. Stupid, stupefied drunk. Not just drunk, but drunk drunk. And leave a bar and get in their car and take off at a hundred miles an hour. And kills one of his friends. And his life is ruined. You know, I don't believe you'll ever come to Christ till you're dissatisfied with your sin. You know why folk don't come to Christ? Sin's too much fun. We're in charge. We'll say when. We'll say where. But he's still seeking those that when you've had enough hangovers... And when you've dove to the, into the pool of this old world and you've come up with more rocks than you have jewels. When you get dissatisfied with what's going on in your life, sin, he's still seeking for you. He'll save those that are dissatisfied. He'll save those that are disabled. Those who have taken their body and sold out to the devil and now the body is wrecked and the very parts of your body that is so necessary, you've killed it physically. He's still seeking for you. 
the dissatisfied, the disabled, the defiled. How many husbands do you have? He said to her, you speak right, you've had five. And the one you have now is not your own. The defiled. He's still seeking for you. See, with men, it's impossible. Are you glad of that? Those who society has written off. Those who the judge said, you're not fit for society. He's still seeking for you. (laughs) And those who cough a lot, he's still seeking for you. The dissatisfied, the disabled, the defiled, the darkened, and the deadened. He's still seeking. Those are the ones. He didn't come to save religious folks. He came to save lost folks. I close. You say, why? Game's about to start. (laughs) If you notice now the text. The disciples were astonished above measure. Because of the statement Jesus said concerning going to heaven. We've talked about the subject that was stressed. The sinners who are sought. Could I speak with you about the Savior who is sufficient? How many organizations have you tried thus far to get straightened out? How many psychologists or psychiatrists or doctors Have you tried so far to get things straightened out? And I just tell you, with man, it is impossible. Because we're all sinners. How many of you folks ever had a baby that turned out to be a sinner? Do you think they turned out Or maybe they came out a sinner. Bald headed and no teeth. And the most selfish individual on the face of the earth. They don't care when they cry, how long they cry. You say, but my kid had hair. Well, mine didn't. I've always loved bald headed babies. That's the way I came out, and that's the way I'm going out. (laughs) I'll not be going out with a rug on my head. I didn't come in with a rug on my head, so I'm going out the way I came out. No teeth, no clothes, and no regard at all for mom and dad. Completely dependent on mom and dad. Just like us, aren't we? Completely dependent. Because with man, what I'm talking about is impossible. But thank God with God, all things are possible. I'm glad of that. Are you? I like the absoluteness that he proclaims. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man come to the Father but by me. Now you talk about that on Jay Leno. And you talk about that on some of the other night shows. And they'll laugh at you and say, You mean to tell me that you believe the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ? Yes. 
The only way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the absolute. I am absolutely the only way to get to heaven. And if you don't go by me, you don't go. Because with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He is the truth and that is settled. He is the truth, nothing but the truth. So help us God, he is the truth. Absolutely. Amen. There is no error in his words. There is no error in his walk. There is no error in his work. There is no error in Jesus Christ at all. He is perfectly truth. Absolute. And if you want to go to heaven, it is his heaven. He is the door. He is the way. He is the life. No man. No man. You say, but I don't want to be a Baptist. It's not about being a Baptist. Dear Lord, if we get to heaven and Baptist is running things, we'll all leave. (laughs) Amen. Because we'll be voting on everything. Thank God. Thank God it's about him. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the light, the absoluteness, the truth. It is settled. Thank God he's the life that is satisfying. I'm closing for the seventh time. I've never asked anybody who ever said they were sorry they got saved. I've had a lot of regrets in my life. But I've never regretted one time of trusting Jesus Christ as my Savior. He's never let me down. He's never lied to me. It is a life completely satisfying. I was made a new creature in Christ. He gave me new desires. He gave me new wants. He gave me new places to go and new people to hang out with. I mean, this life is completely satisfying. If I've got the control in my hand, I can watch and not watch what I want. And if my life is satisfied... I do not have to watch stuff that used to satisfy. It is a satisfying life. Some folks say, well, you just can't have any fun if you're a Christian. Y'all run around with Jim a while. Don't run around with Andrew because he acts like he's not saved a lot of times. Catching them poor, pitiful fish. (laughs) Tricking them with some kind of stinky bait. He didn't do that before he met Preston and Stone. Satisfied. Did you know, listen, did you know that Christians can go fishing too? Did you know that Christians can go hunting too? It's just you don't kill anything. (laughs) But it ain't called killing. It's called hunting. Amen. Did you know Christians act like they can play golf? They attempt to play golf. Christian, that's the most satisfying life in all the world. God made us to have fellowship and a relationship with Him. God's original intent was for us to be in Christ, Christ in us, living a satisfied, 
life. But our forefathers, Adam and Eve, they took a hold of the Kmart Blue Light Special. And Kmart put a big light up said, if you eat of this, you will be smart as God. You will be just like God. And she fell for that lie. And her husband did too. And because of that, mankind was driven out of God's presence. Now if your mama was out of God's presence and your daddy out of God's presence and they had you out of God's presence where does that leave you? You say I don't understand it. Let me give it to you this way. If your grandparents had not had any children neither would you. That'll sink down a minute. Well, I'm not a sinner, really. What kind of guy was your granddaddy? Your grandmama? Your great-granddaddy? Your great-grandmama? How about your great-great-great-grandma? Well, I don't know my great-great-great. Well, that's what I'm talking about. God knew him. And God drove your great-great-great-granddaddy out of the garden. And when Adam went out, you went out with him. Because virtually you were in Adam. Because if Adam had not had any kids, neither would you. Amen, sir. Ain't that good? Yes, That's deep, man. I wish, I'd, I wish I'd thought that before. Now, here's a question. Would you do something for me? Look in your Bible at a verse. Just turn your Bible to the book of Romans, please. Just a minute. Romans, and I'll tell you what chapter and verse. And I am completely, totally done. In your Bible. Please. Look at this verse now. Turn to Romans chapter 10. I'm done. Completely done. The question the disciples had was who then can be saved? Look at verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How do you like that? Are you a whosoever? Then you can be saved. You say, how's that? God does it all. You ask him, and he takes care of the saving. 